So I call them one-day people, one-day people. Uh, these people you'll find, a lot of these people you'll find some, at the gym. These are people who show up with one-day passes, and, and you'll find that they'll swim perhaps a couple lengths of the pool, or they will run a couple laps around the track. Uh, they'll try a couple of, of strength machines, and then they'll go sit in the jacuzzi or the sauna and rest, and, and, and amazingly, they really enjoy that, and, and they will say, and they argue with themselves, and say, you know, the doc said I should really be doing this, and, and, and so they say, yeah, one day, one day I'll, I'll, I'll do this, I'll make this a lifestyle. Then are the people that I call the one-way people. These are the people who have decided that is my lifestyle, that is the one way that I will live. I'm, I'm choosing to be this way, it'll take hard work, uh, we'll have to combat a, a, this contrary uh, cultural focus on entitlement and, and easy living. So they'll work out three to five times a week. They will shape their body to be strong. They will eat with health in mind. They will develop disciplines to sustain a long effort without wearing out quickly. And you'll find that they'll begin to preach health. So as we have gathered here and throughout this region this morning in places of worship, locations where we've come to worship Jesus, you will find both one-day people and one-way people. And to be honest with you, I think all of us have been each of those at times. As a, as a one-day person, we show up into these gatherings and, and, and so we, we will lift some heavy truths and we'll go, oh, that was good. We'll swim through some wonderful worship expressions. We'll go, oh, that was just so awesome. We will endeavor to, to be healthy and, and on that morning we'll feel, boy, it's just so good to be healthy. It's wonderful. We'll jog over some new ground and we'll say, boy, that just really stretched me. And we'll say, you know, I, I, really, I really should do this more often. I really should, should get into this thing. And, and one day, one day I'm going to do that. And the problem with that is that we never really get to experience health the way God designed it in all facets of our living. We never develop the, the disciplines to sustain a long effort without wearing out quickly. And then we wonder why we can't break out into a new and better style of living. We become the essence of that definition of insanity that we do the same things over and over and over again and expect a different result. So starting next week, we begin a new series called Checkmate. And we're going, to, we're going to learn the right moves that we should make in life so that we can block destructive patterns and release life-giving provisions graced to us from God. It'll be a study of the first part of the words written by the bishop of Jerusalem in the first century. His name is James. He was the brother of Jesus. 
But this morning what I want to, to do is I want to take you to the place and for you to imagine with me what would happen if we had a bunch of one-way people who invaded a culture with the compassion and the power of Jesus. I want to describe to you this morning how it happened in the first century and how it's happening right now. But be cautioned that we cannot replicate this pattern unless we are one-way people, unless we have said, that is my chosen lifestyle, that is what I'm going to do, that's how I'm going to be. I'm going to develop these disciplines that will help me sustain a long effort without wearing out. I'm going to combat a contrary cultural focus on easy living and entitlement. We will become preachers of these life-giving provisions, grace to us from God himself. So in that first century when James was alive, there were these guys named Paul and Barnabas who were followers of Jesus and leaders of the church. And understand the church is today what it was back then, and it's not a building and it's not an organization, but it is an organism. It is a community, a community focused on loving Jesus. To develop this, this wonderful intimate relationship with Jesus where you actually commune with him, you talk with him, you hear him, you just sense him. You have this, 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 this thing happening to you the way that it was designed in the garden in the very beginning where we have this relationship with God that is just so awesome that, that it just act, absolutely radically transforms your thought process and your view of life. To follow his teachings. To follow Jesus is not just allowing him to confront our personal destructive patterns. It is also allowing him to place us in community that has been afflicted with regional destructive patterns. Remember when Jesus said, I want you to pray, come your kingdom be done, your will. Not only does he want that to happen within our inside right here, but he says, I want to place you in regions where his desire will, for his will will be done, where his kingdom will be accomplished where sin is confronted and grace is released. And we become preachers of this life-giving provision, grace to us from God. So Paul and Barnabas are, are in this region that today we would call modern Turkey, and it's, it's one of the provinces of, of Rome in those days, Galatia. And they, they go into some cities. One is Iconium, the other is Lystra. And, and here's what transpires. Acts 14.1 says this. Now, at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue. And they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. See, they just showed up in Iconium. It has some Jews in it and mostly Gentiles and a bunch of Romans. And they show up and they just say, we want to tell you about Jesus. We want to tell you that the kingdom of God is present here and his name is Jesus. And he's here to, to remove your destructive sin and to, to give you his grace. In fact, he's going to give you that very power that, oh yeah, he was resurrected from the grave. 500 witnesses saw him and that power that lifted him is the power that he has for you today. And the amazing thing is that a great number of them said, Sign me up. That's a great thing. I want, I want to propose to you today that all around you this week, whether on campus, during finals, working out at the YMCA, whatever you're doing, 
There are people that you would think could have no interest at all in who Jesus is, and they are all ready to understand and believe. Someone just has to tell them. That's what these guys found out. And there are people around you ready now. They may be people whose lifestyles you detest. They're the last people you'd ever think would have any interest in following Jesus. These people that Paul and Barnabas are hanging with, these people have a lifestyle that includes idols, bowing down to idols, orgies, demon worship. And they say, I want to tell you about Jesus, and here's what he does, and we are witnesses of his grace. And they go, sign us up. That is just awesome. Who knew? God did. But see, what he wants to accomplish through all of that cannot be done by one-day people. Must be done by one-way people who have the sustainability that their faith will last on the long haul, even when resistance comes upon them. They say, we know what we believe. And they're empowered to keep going. Because quite frankly, big conversion brings big backlash. It's just going to happen. See, you don't come to Jesus and follow him and think, whew, so sweet. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but I've overcome the world. And if they attack me, they're going to attack you because the base of the evil in this world is not yet gone and still will attack and will attack you. So this is exactly what happened. The following verse, verse 2 of Acts 14 says this, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. That word poison means they took evil and put it inside so that it grew. And quite frankly, when evil is rooted, God's invasion is not welcome. So what do you do? Do you bail? Say, let's go find someplace else where they're receptive. Oh, I read in the scripture you can shake the dust off your feet and curse them, so out we go. No. That can happen at times, but only in God's direction. Here's what they knew. The scripture continues, verse 3, so they remained, catch that, they remained for a long time in this resistance, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. In their, in the resistance, they remained for a long time. So I wanted to know what that meant. They remained for a long time. So I went on my software and I looked up and I, and I began to put those words together. And this is what it literally means. It literally means this, that they were coming into an absolute season of opportunity. So how do you resist? How, how, do you, how do you sustain in that moment? First of all, they did it together. We must move one way together. The whole thing was together. Paul and Barnabas came together. Look what Jesus does in the scripture. He's always with someone. They're always together. Together. One, two, three, four, together now. If you're endeavoring to say in your place of work that Jesus is here, you can't do that alone. You've got to have somebody with you. Because when we are together, here's what happens. We ignite sustainability. They were coming into an absolute season of opportunity. They saw that. Somehow they understood that this resistance was coming as a result, this, this tough moment was coming as a result of opposition, and opposition comes because the ruling parties are about ready to get booted, and they don't want to lose what they've got. 
So if you're feeling the resistance of trying to follow Jesus by the people around you, please understand that it's happening because the ruling parties don't want to be moved, and there's a great moment of opportunity that God said is yours, so together, together move in that place and begin to declare who Jesus is and live out who Jesus is in that place. So let's do this. Here's some action steps I'm going to give you this morning. Let's give each other courage. Encourage. When you feel like it's becoming overwhelming, you begin to feel like you're going to wear out. You begin to feel the opposite of when the scripture said, do not go be weary in well-doing. And you're beginning to get weary and you're thinking, I just got to stop doing this. Find some people around you who believe like you do and let's give each other courage and say, don't you give up because this is the moment of opportunity. Don't stop. Together we ignite sustainability. Together we link to a power surge. So these guys go to Lystra, and here's what happens. Acts 14 describes this. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looked intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking, and when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. They recognized spiritual power. I am so totally convinced right now that God wants to do miracles. He said, I'm going to give you miracles so that it proves my presence and my power and to prove that the kingdom of God is here. Without the presence and the power of God manifested, then what we represent as Jesus is just one other option on the menu of religions and gods in this world today. So go ahead and pick yours, put them together and do your thing. Unless God shows up and says, let me show you what my power can do, and no one can replicate that. No false belief can replicate that. Only God can do those things. And he said, I want to validate what you are speaking to others by those miracles. So let's do this. Let's pray for the impossible. I'm just telling you simply, when your neighbor says they're sick, offer to pray for them. When your friend says, I just lost my job, I don't know what I'm going to do, then you pray for her. When it's an impossible situation, you pray for them and gather some together that believe with you and pray. See, I don't know why we don't see miracles every time. But I'm telling you this, we should pray every time. I believe, this is my own opinion, that we don't see as many miracles in this country as other places because we don't pray enough. We don't take opportunity. We just say, uh, hey, let me tell you about my doctor. When maybe Jesus is saying, hey, pray for their, pray for their sickness because I want to heal them here and now. So I'm going to ask you, be very aware of the people around you and the needs and begin to pray. You don't, you don't have to do like you see evangelists do at times. You don't have to stand in the middle of, of, of the place where you work in GE and go, in the name of Jesus. You don't have to do that. But you can pray. Because here's what I think. I think if you prepare for that by praying and you activate it by praying, 
that we will become even like these men were when they begin to recognize that God has already been dealing with someone and the faith is already there and they don't even have to ask God for it because God said, I already gave it. They just say, hey, God gave it to you. Get up and walk. You will have that kind of sensitivity if you're looking for it and praying for it and postured your heart for it. See, the other thing that happens when we are, do this together, together, we create a louder voice. You, you can't debate personal experience. When someone says, here's what Jesus did for me, someone can't say, no, he didn't. You say, oh, he did. He put my marriage back together again. He helped me get over my addiction. I was carrying this weight of tremendous guilt, and it's gone. He's empowered me, made me a better father, made me a better husband. He did. The scripture says that these folks were witnesses of God's grace and they began to proclaim it boldly. The word boldly means to be authentic in utterance, meaning this is the honest truth. I'm telling you, this is what he did. And to be confident in spirit because he did it and I know it's true because the scripture said he would do it. So I'm confident in that, that what is in me was from him. So I, I want to encourage you to be bold to utter in confidence, to be authentic, to say, here's, here's what God did for me, here's what Jesus did for me. Tell your story and say, it's true because here's what the Scripture says. Speak what we know. So understand the Scripture and say, here's what God did and here's what He did in me. Just share the story. Scripture said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. You can only tell what you know. You don't have to give a theological dissertation. You don't have to argue. Please don't try to argue whether evolution is right or wrong or, or how many scriptures are out of place and if the gospels conflict with each other. If you're prepared to do that and you can do that without apologetics, do it. But for the remainder of us that, that still struggle with all that stuff, would you just tell them what you know and that the scripture says it would be true and it's happened to you? See, that's what happened then, and it happens now. Yuri and Olga Drozhin came to Erie, Pennsylvania in 1998 from Russia, and they became part of this community of faith. And they, they were part of us, and they grew in relationship with us, and, and we watched the life they had and began to understand what Jesus had done for them in their home country. And as time went on, they began to feel that Jesus was leading them to put them in places where his will was not being accomplished, where they could speak the truth and where they could pray for the sick, where they could demonstrate who God is. And people would say, oh, there's Jesus. And just like happened in Iconium, they would say, oh, we want to put our faith in him. So they said, we're going to leave you here in Erie and we're going to head wherever God takes us. And so we, along with others through this country, have prayed for them and have supported them. So they spent time in Russia, Colombia, Ecuador, Venezuela, and Brazil. They have started churches. They've established leaders. They have strengthened marriages. They've sustained a children's camp in the Ukraine. They've helped establish alcohol and drug rehabilitation centers. And everywhere they go, they preach Jesus and they see miracles. And so I wanted them to come tell you about what can happen when you live a one-way life, when you decide, this is what I'm going to do. Would you please welcome this morning... Yuri and Olga.
Good morning, church. It, it is nice to be here. Like, yeah, it is, it is home. It is our home church. We grew up, you know, we, <clears throat> we came in this church with absolutely zero English, and you support us, you help us, you let us to grow. And even today with our broken language, but thank you for your patiently, you patiently trying to understand us. Thank you. <laughs> Yes, of course, when we went up, you know, because he sent us, his power, his authority always following, always with us. We saw so many miracles. It is hard to remind, hard to say what's going on. And the main idea, we are not concentrated on the miracles. Because Jesus said, miracles going to follow you. And we are not looking back what's, what was there. I, I want to just show one picture. It was in Ecuador, Machala, Ecuador. It was a big meeting. And we felt like uh, part of the Holy Spirit was in the place. And we called everyone who want to receive something from Jesus. And they went in front so many people, and we, we came down and prayed. And during the time when I prayed, I heard some kind of commotion, some noise, and I turned toward my interpreters to ask, what's going on? What kind of noise it is? And he said, look on the stage. So many people up there, they want to share what God did for them today. They receive healing. Some of them just running on the stage because now they can freely move. The other just bending because this back already not, not have a pain in the back. The other one just trying to lift something to show he's just healed completely. But you know what? We did not have a time to watch what's going on there because so many people standing in front of us, they want to power. They, they want to receive something from Jesus and we continue to pray. And I thought somebody maybe later on will, will, will tell us what's going on over there. <laughs> and one particular moment, uh, I believe it was last summer in Russia, we came in one place and this young family came to us and they said, we have a toddler, around three years old boy and he could not speak. Something wrong with him. And they told, like, share with the friends in the, in the church. And they said, what are you waiting for? You're in Olga in the, in the church today. And, you know, last year we had the same problem with our girl. Now she's like four and a half. But last year they prayed. And the same day she started to speak not just syllables or just words. She started to build the sentences the same day. You know, we did not know until next year. <laughs> when we are going to do something, the first we concentrate our heart on our father's heart. What is going on on his heart and what we're supposed to do at that moment. We don't want to do what we want to do, but we want to do what he's, he wants to do. And remember, like, we, we were in Russia and we were driving toward children camp and at that point it was youth camp and we we stopped in one small village and we invited Svetlana and her son Vlad to go with us and they accepted this they never been in the church 
they never been Christian, but they said, okay, we can go, we can survive between Christians for three days. And they were in that camp for three days. They participate in volleyball, play, they participate with all kind of camp. And then they decided to accept Jesus right there in the camp. What did we? We just listened that our father hearts wanted to bring this people and let them be in 24-7 Christian <laughs> surrounded. And very next day when that lady came back to her village, she went to the small home group service and she was baptized in Holy Spirit right away. Praise God. God is doing something. Not we are doing, but he is doing. And when we were back from that camp, we stopped in the same village, small village. And Yuri and I shared the message in the church, small church, probably 25 people or 30 people in that church. And one girl decided to pray the prayer of repentance, to accept Jesus, Lord. And we prayed for her. And her husband stepped out. And he wanted to recommit his life to Jesus. And he mentioned, probably you don't remember me, but I do remember you very well. When I was a teenager, in that children camp 12 years ago, I was the one of that teenager with the behavior you could not pretend, you could not, like, um, you, you, yeah, you could not control. And I was the one who cut the tent by my knife. And the rain was there, and the tent was leaking. But 12 years later, he decided to give his heart. And when you are doing something, you never know what's going on. Because not you are doing, but God is working through you. And my dear friends, my beloved, my church, I want you and us to be one with Jesus. You know, I found for myself, uh, we... We're talking a lot about love and Jesus loves us, but it should be like, I found three moments we should be like, we should love Jesus, we should be committed to him, and we have to have vision. In the same in the family, we should be in unity. What does it mean in unity? It means we have to love each other, we have to commit it. We have to have this commitment and we have to have vision. If we do not have vision, it's hard to keep love. It's hard to, you know, we have to, this, this kind of love, vision, a commitment, it works together. If you missing one part, you are not reliable, you're not stable to go. And same with our relationship with Jesus. You know, we, we, Preaching, we hear a lot when we say we have a covenant relationship with Jesus. Yes, amen. But you should know if I do have covenant relationship with him and she does have covenant relationship with him, it means we have covenant relationship. It means when pastor has covenant relationship with Jesus and you do, it means you are one. Without this unity, you cannot be victorious. I think many of us do not receive the miracle, do not receive the power because we do not have this kind of union. Let me just mention 
I understand. I, you know, I do have a lot of uh, uh, stuff I want to share, but we have just limited time. I want just one uh, particular place from the Holy Spirit, I, uh, from the Holy Bible. I do not want to read, just, just mention the position. It is 2 Samuel 20, 23, 15. Uh, David, he just exclaimed, Oh, if somebody would bring me a water from uh, from the well of Beth Bethlehem, and he knew there is the Philistines, the enemy in that place, and you cannot get in. And three mighty men went out, and they reached the place. They got the water and brought to David. Can you picture this situation? David, David, he did not say, you, Josh, pick up John and the other, and you have to go and bring me water. He did not say this. He said, if someone would do it for me. And these three, they so respect and love David, they did it willingly. And I believe, you know, like in my heart, I believe they did not really even, even speak a lot. They look, when they hear it, they look at each other. Are you willing to go with me? Yeah. And you? Shall we go? They just shake their head. We'll go. And they were one as a military unit. I would say as a tank. And because they would go through the camp of soldiers, Nobody could stop them because of unity. It was a lot of arrow flying around, but they went down and bring, brought the water. Listen, this living water for us, Jesus brought this living water, and I want you to receive this living water. Well, I'll, I'll stop this. I, I think I, you got the, the point. We should be as one, not only between me and Jesus, but between us in the church. I want to rely on you. This kind of unity, I want to explain one, one, sample, one example in, in our life. We were down in Siberia driving a vehicle, and something's happened with my vehicle. Something was wrong in my right front wheel, just noise, and I stopped in the middle of nowhere. It was no telephone line, like no, no, no way to call, and I stuck. And I thought, what should I do now? I do not have any tools. I don't know what to do. And... I was waiting maybe 15, 20 minutes, and then I just wave and I stop minivan. This man stop. What's wrong? I explained the situation. He's looking at me. You know, I'll, I was looking at him. He do not want to help. He do not want to do anything. But anyway, he opened the trunk. He pulled the toolbox. Few seconds. Okay, try this. And I was. Somewhere. In, in a few seconds, he's, he's calling me, this is the kind of bolt you need. Set it and, and you can go. And I set this bolt and I continue to go. But what was in the background in this moment? My daughter in Ohio, in, in Ohio, Tilikati, Ohio, she received this. She saw in a vision, I'm staying on the road next to my vehicle with like hand like this. What can I do now? 
And she saw, she felt like, and she started to pray. He prayed until she felt like the peace came in her heart. And then when she came back and she called my son in, in Siberia because she could not reach. She was trying to call us and she could not reach and call a son. And he said, yes, four hours ago they went from our place and they should be somewhere at the place. But four hours passed and we did not appear. And she, he, he said, okay, I'll wait for another couple hours. If not, we'll send somebody to, to help. And then, you know, we were staying maybe no more than half an hour. And God delivered the parts what we needed just in a place in the middle of nowhere. This is kind of union, you know, unity. We are one. We so need you. We cannot go without support. You know, sometimes we think, you think if I would help this money, if I would go to do something. But your prayer, it is so powerful. Another testimony. We just we were in Colombia. Like Pastor mentioned, we need, we need to look for the opportunity to pray. Even like scary prayer. Sometimes you don't expect, you have no idea what's going on. And I had this experience in, in <clears throat> Colombia. It was woman prayer and we share and then we pray and we work with translator and translator came to me. She said, this woman, pregnant woman needs prayer. This is like emergency. She's pregnant and she was probably like, in the third term of her pregnancy. And she said, her baby is not moving, at least for one week. And I thought, oh, oh, we are in trouble. Probably that baby already died. Probably this woman will die very soon because of this infection. And in my mind, it was like, what could be in this situation? I was scared. And then I just said, Jesus, I cannot do anything. I really cannot, but I, what I can do, I can pray. I don't know what will happen with this lady, but I just pray. And I pray for this lady. And then I went to another, I pray for another lady. And very next day, when we gathered together for the next meeting, interpreter come to us and they witnessed it. That baby started and it's moving now. When you cannot do anything, just let God do something. If there's any strange situation, for example, in one time we could see like it was like leaders meeting and one guy came and he said, okay, what to do if we like the marriage looked like it's broken? No way to keep this. Should we try to keep this or just to get divorced? What can you do in this situation? Yes, we can say, okay, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. But the best way to pray. And when you pray, when he prayed, God is doing something. God just is looking for the person to show his glory through. And in a couple of days, we could see this couple was together in the altar. They were hanging each other, they pray together, they cry together at altar, and their marriage was saved. You don't know what's going on, but God wants to use you and me. And my word, like, the Bible says, this is like Second Chronicles 16, 9, God is looking. The eyes of the Lord is watching, searching their Google, the ears, to find 
whom, whose hearts are fully committed to him. If we are really committed to him, he wants to use us. He wants to train us. It doesn't mean it will be everything easy. Training process, you know, your muscles stretch and your life is stretched, but you are in the right hands. Your coach, Jesus, is the best one, and we need just to listen to him and to do what we're supposed to do. And we, when we are doing this way, we are doing what he wants, we are doing for his kingdom. Yeah, I want to... <laughs> just one example of our work among the drug people, the, the people who were deep in drug, and now they, because they accept Jesus, they committed themselves to Jesus. You know, people who were deep in drug, they know what does it mean commitment. They were forcefully committed to drug. They did not want anything, just next portion of drug. And now when they got free, Jesus delivered them, they want, they understand this commitment and they want same level of commitment for Jesus. I know some guys who has, had good skills, he, they made, might do good business, good money, but they said, I do not really want anything. Maybe later on I will say, think about marriage, but today I just want to serve Jesus. And I knew some guys, they do not, did not have really money to do something, but they want to go and they said, Pastor, may I go to this village to open a rehab center? And Pastor said, we do not have really money to support you. But if you really feel God calls you, just go. We'll get a love offering, we will go. And when he went on, the other, his friend said, Pastor, may I go with him? But what can you do? You are not a minister. What can you do there? I'll start a business and support them. I do not need my money for myself, but I want to support them. Well, I, I think our time is, is over and uh, we, we, have to, we have to pass it. But I want to just... My friends, my family, I want to encourage you to be one. Listen, do you have really person reliable when you feel like you are in a unity, just one? Listen, if something's happening with you in the middle of the road, two o'clock in the morning, do you have someone to call and you know for sure he will wake up, went up and will go with you right away to help you? You know, sometimes we have friends, it is some kind of shell of relationship, but God wants we inside the church develop this commitment to God and to each other. And then you will see how God moving in your life. And he will lead you and you will see the miracle. Now, maybe today you just listen and somebody report of miracles. For me, it was so great a miracle to see healing as for today the greatest miracle when people commit their life to Jesus thank you I'm going to ask uh, Yuri and Olga in just a moment hang on to that okay 
I'm going to ask them uh, to actually pray over us. So if you have been challenged this morning to move to a, a higher level of a focus on what Jesus wants to do in you and through you that, you, that you want to grab hold of this idea of speaking boldly, telling your story with confidence, having courage to pray for people, not even knowing what the result will be, but just trusting that Jesus is going to do that and that you will be open to, to pray whenever you have that opportunity, that, that you want to become one of those that Jesus said would go out and, and, and spread the good news of who he is wherever they are, and that you're even willing, as these folks were, to say, wherever it is you want me to go, I'll go. If you're willing to say, I'm not even sure what that means, but I have an intention to get there and I want to do that, then I just want you to stand to your feet wherever you are. If that's you, what you do? Stand. That's it. And then I'm going to invite you, uh, Yuri, to, to pray over us. And if you would be more comfortable praying in Russian, we'll know what you're praying about. But you pray however you feel the most liberty to pray. Pray over us that that would be the case. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are here. And you want us to be one. And you're searching this place to find the one whose heart is completely yours. And today, Jesus, you release your anointing, especially the people who stand today because they want to show they really committed to you, Jesus, even more. Not only the people who stand today, you're searching throughout the church and you anointed them with power. And your glory will follow them because they will obey you. They will follow you and they will glorify your name. Father God, as for today, we feel like we are small, weak, and we, can do, we cannot really do a lot. But because we are available for you, you anointed us with the power. We, you anointed us with your authority and we will go as one with you, with your power and authority to release, to release your glory, to release your power, to release people who are in the bandage. Jesus, thank you for this church, for the unity in the church, for commitment of these people. Thank you for the vision you gave for this church and these particular people who today said to you, yes, fill us up and we will obey you and we will glorify your name. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your church, for your body, and I pray so your will would be done by each single person from your church. And I pray today that your heaven would be open and the door would be open wide, very wide. And your door would be open with your blessing that you prepare for each of us. And we, when we come in, when we can say, Father God, I want to serve you 24-7. I want to serve you every day. I want to do your will, not my will. But I want to bring glory to you, not to my name. Your door, your heavenly gate will be open. And today I can see like this glory from your 
heaven is getting, is going to this church. And this church is going to be triumphant to bring your glory to this world. And they will be triumphant in their community, in their families, in their surrounding, and they can bring glory to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And would you tell Yuri and Olga, thank you for being here today.